Welcome to the weekly worship service from St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School in Bourbon A and Kankakee. In today's service, you will hear readings from God's Word, a message from our pastor, the Lord's Prayer, and a blessing for you and your family. But first, a few announcements about our ministry at St. Paul's. We invite you to join us for our weekly 5 p.m. Saturday worship service at our church located at 348 East Merchant Street in downtown Kankakee. We also hold weekly Sunday morning worship services at 8.30 and 11.05 at our school site, located at 1780 Career Center Road in Bourbon A. If you have any health reasons that might keep you away from in-person worship, please consider one of our alternative worship services, such as our worship page on our website, our weekly WKAN broadcast, and through our Facebook stream. You may also request an audio copy or opt for our podcast. All worship services and church information are available on our website at stpaulslutheran.net. The latest information on our response to the pandemic is available by clicking the COVID-19 tab at the top of the page. For more information about St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School, please call the church office at 815-932-0312. And now we pray that you are blessed by the Word of God in today's worship. Testament lesson and the text for today's sermon is recorded in Job chapter 38 verses 1 through 11. Then the Lord answered Job out of the storm. He said, Who is this that darkens my counsel with words without knowledge? Brace yourself like a man. I will question you and you shall answer me. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know. Who stretching, uh, stretched a measuring line across it? On what were its footings set, or who laid its cornerstone? While the morning stars sang together, and all the angels shouted for joy. Who shut up the sea behind doors when it burst forth from the womb? When I made the clouds its garment and wrapped it in thick darkness, when I fixed limits for it, and set its doors and bars in place. When I said, this far you may come, and no farther, here is where your proud waves, here is where your proud waves halt. The epistle lesson is recorded in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. As God's fellow workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, in the time of my favor I heard you, and in the day of salvation I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor, now is the day of salvation. We put no stumbling block in anyone's path, so that our ministry 
will not be discredited. Rather, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, in great endurance, in troubles, hardships, and distresses, in beatings, imprisonments, and riots, in hard work, sleepless nights, and hunger, in purity, understanding, patience, and kindness, in the Holy Spirit and in sincere love, in truthful speech and in the power of God with weapons of righteousness in the right hand and in the left, through glory and dishonor, bad report and good report, genuine yet regarded as impostors, known yet regarded as unknown, dying and yet we live on, beaten and yet not killed, sorrowful yet always rejoicing, poor yet making many rich, having nothing and yet possessing everything. We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians, and opened wide our hearts to you. We are not withholding our affection from you, but you are withholding yours from us. As a fair exchange, I speak as to my children. Open wide your hearts also. This is the word of the Lord. We rise for the gospel. seen this sort of theme going through the readings where uh, Job's bringing complaints to God about what's going on in his life and God answers him and and uh, Paul in Corinthians talks about some of the struggles that they're going through and here uh, the disciples come to Jesus with sort of the same complaint. That day when evening came he said to his disciples let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were, uh, there were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. This is the Gospel of the Lord.
God's grace and mercy and peace be yours this day in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The text for the message comes from our Old Testament reading. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, bless our time in your word today. Give us the strength of faith to trust in you, O Lord, above all things. And as we gather, may the words of my mouth, may the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, for you are our maker and our redeemer. Amen. It was back in 2004, Hurricane Charlie hit Central Florida uh, pretty hard. One of the stories that came out of that hurricane is interesting, and I wanted to share it with you today. You see, in, in the path of a hurricane, uh, there's, a, there's not a lot that's a match for that violent storm, and, and so things like signs and billboards uh, get blown down. But one billboard resisted the hurricane force winds over 100 miles an hour, and while the billboard stood, uh, the advertisement that was there when Hurricane Charlie hit was sort of torn away, uh, but it revealed an earlier message, uh, an old advertisement. Uh, and when the sun rose the next morning on Sand Lake Road in Orlando, the words of a, a popular ad campaign in the South were pretty visible. Uh, and as if it were a divine message, I, I put it on the cover of the bulletin there for you. And it's a billboard that says, uh, uh, we need to talk, God. <laughs> we need to talk, don't we? In the Old Testament reading today, it's from a unique for, uh, uh, book of the Bible. In fact, it's unique in all of Scripture. And the book of Job deals entirely with one main issue. And it's really a dilemma, a question I expect that we've all wrestled with at various times in our lives. And I think I know what you're talking about, right? Uh, th think about those times when you've experienced a, a personal hardship, or maybe you were confronted with some really bad news. It doesn't take too long to compile quite a list, does it? Maybe you've lost a job, been laid off or fired. Maybe, maybe you've lost a job due to the COVID shutdown. Uh, maybe you've lost a loved one due to the, to the virus. Uh, maybe you've had a, a trouble paying that monthly mortgage or that rent, or, or maybe marriage is sort of drifting apart. Maybe uh, you're looking at your kids and they're making some poor life choices. Maybe you get some bad news from the doctor about yourself or about a loved one. Uh, or <laughs> you begin to feel all alone as your coworkers leave for other ministries like Florida and Wisconsin. <laughs> you know, we, we find ourselves in situations and we scream, <laughs> God, why me, right? It's not just that. It's the other tough things too, isn't it? God, why are you letting this terrible thing happen to me? Why are you letting this terrible thing happen to my family? I don't understand, God. It doesn't seem fair. I don't agree with what you're doing, God. Here in this book, which bears his name, Job asks that question of God. He asks it again and again and again in our Old Testament reading. And it comes from the the end of the book of Job, uh, this reading, God answers the question. But for us to understand God's answer, we need to go back and get an overview of the book. Let's do that as we consider that question, God, why me? Let's first consider Job's question. Now, I expect that many of you remember something about this man named Job. Bible says he was a very rich man. He had a large family, seven sons, three daughters, about 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels. More importantly, the Bible characterizes Job as a man who was blameless and upright. Job feared God and shunned evil. 
In other words, Job was a believer. What happened to this blameless and upright believer? Well, (laughs) his life was destroyed. Satan destroyed all of Job's wealth. His livestock were killed or stolen. What's worse, Job lost all of his family. All of his children uh, lost their lives in one day. And as if that were not enough, Job lost his health. Uh, God allowed Satan to inflict him with these painful sores from the top of his head to the soles of his feet. Job was uh, reduced to taking broken pieces of pottery and, and scraping the wounds. And yet scripture says that still, Job did not curse God. He did not sin in what he said. Now, I wish I could say that Job uh, kept that attitude throughout his life, but Job did not maintain that positive attitude indefinitely. Over the course of time, or in this case, over the course of the next 36 chapters of the book, Job becomes increasingly perplexed. The more he thinks about his situation, the more bothered he is by the, by the whole thing. He, at first, he complains to his friends uh, as they gather around him, and ultimately, he directs his complaints to God. Let me share with you some of the frustration Job vents. Job says to God, why have you made me your target, right? In other words, why are you picking on me, God? He also accuses God of not listening. He says, though I cry, I've been wronged, I get no response. Though I call for help, there is no justice. And again, Job says, even if I summon God and he responded, I do not believe that he would give me a hearing. He would crush me with a storm and multiply my wounds for no reason. It's all the same, Job said. God destroys the blameless and the wicked. Now, I should probably say that while Job is venting about God not being fair to him, Job's friends aren't any help, right? Maybe you've had some friends like that, too. Uh, They're insisting that all this trouble uh, that, that has come upon Job must be because Job has committed some kind of terrible sin. Uh, They said God must be punishing him for some kind of sin. And he vehemently uh, defends his innocence. He says, as surely as God lives, who has denied me justice, the Almighty, who has made me taste bitterness of soul, as long as I have life within me, I will never admit you are in the right. Till I die, I will not deny my integrity. Now, what, what really bothers Job is the fact that it seems like he, an innocent man, is getting punished by God, while all those truly evil people in the world, they have it so good uh, from God, right? He says, why do the wicked live on? Growing old and increasing in power, their homes are safe and free from fear. The rod of God is not upon them. They spent their years in prosperity and go down to the grave in peace. Now, to show hands, can can you at all relate to what Job is saying here? (laughs) I, I think I can, right? I mean, have you ever thought to yourself, God, why is it that, uh, let's say, why is it that I've, I finally reached the age of retirement and I can really enjoy life? Now I'm stuck running back and forth to the doctor's office, right? Uh, I've worked so long and hard for, and all that's going down the drain. God, it's not fair. Or, God, how can you allow my friend to suffer so much? No one should have to endure what she's going through. Where's your compassion, God? Or, or how can it be out of all the people in my department, I'm the one getting laid off, God. After all the years of honest labor I've given them, this is what I get? Why? Now, we could probably spend the rest of the day talking about different complaints. 
I don't know about you, but I expect we've all had those times where we asked, God, why is this happening to me in this way at this time? And really behind that question is a whole series of other questions. Questions like, God, don't you care about me? God, are you oblivious to what I'm going through? God, are are you powerless to prevent this pain in my life? In a sense, it isn't what we, isn't that what we heard the disciples ask of Jesus? Lord, don't you care if we drown? Now, if you really think about it, each one of these questions, we we are basically demanding an answer from God. In fact, saying, God, I want I want your explanation to what's happening here, right? And in the book of Job, that's exactly what Job comes out and demands of God. Job, in chapter 13, says, God, let me speak to you, and you reply. Show me my offense and my sin. Why do you hide your face and consider me your enemy? Well, it's a statement like that one that finally leads God to respond to Job's questions and his request. But it's not quite the response Job expected. Let's take a look at God's answer. Now, now at first we might expect that God would come to Job and lovingly explain to Job uh, why he's suffering and and maybe point out the good purpose that he, the the God, has in mind for all of this. I mean, you know, help Job see the big picture of things. But, But God doesn't do that, does he? Instead, God says, Job, who do you think you are? demanding I give you an answer. Listen to how uh, God puts it uh, here in Job chapter 38. Who is this that darkens my counsel with words without knowledge? Brace yourself like a man. I will question you and you shall answer me. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know that. Later on, have you ever given orders to the morning or shown the dawn its place? (laughs) Do you send lightning bolts on their way and do they report, here we are? (laughs) Who endowed the heart with wisdom or gave understanding of the mind? Who has the wisdom to count the clouds? Who can tip over the water jars of the heavens when the dust becomes hard and the clods of earth stick together? Catch God's point here, right? This examination of Job goes on verse after verse after verse. God is hammering home the fact that he is the all-powerful, all-knowing God of the universe. Job is not. For Job to question God's power and God's wisdom, it's like me asking Bill Gates whether he knows as much about computers as I do. Are you kidding me? He knows a lot more than me. There's no comparison. God's point here is that when compared to God, Job knows nothing. Job is totally blind. He's he's totally self-absorbed. He's the guy who who wants to improve the Mona Lisa with a can of spray paint, right? But that's what Job is doing. Job's standing in judgment of God in order to justify his own feelings and his own opinions. He calls God's justice into question. That's why God rebuked Job with the words, Job, would you discredit my justice? Would you condemn me to justify yourself? Do you realize that the words which God spoke to Job could just as easily be spoken to you and me? 
I mean, when we find ourselves thinking, God, why did you do this, or why did you do that, or how come you allowed this to happen? God, that's not fair. You're not being very loving, God. God has every reason to say, sinner, who do you think you are? Are you going to stand in judgment of me? Do you think that I somehow have to answer to you? Remember, I'm the creator. You're the created. You're subject to me, not the other way around. And I think this happens because we live in a world that wants to portray God just as our buddy, right? Our equal. Or worse, someone who's here to give us what we want or what we think is right. And sometimes God has to put us in our place. You see, there's that fine line between uh, humble inquiry, trying to discover God's plan here, and defiantly objecting to that plan as being unjust or unloving. And, and that's, not, that's not inquiry anymore, that's rebellion. And I think about the times I've thought those questions, where I've asked God, why me? I know I've crossed that line. A lot of times I'm guilty of rebelling against God, just as Job was here in our text. In fact, Job confesses that very thing in chapter 42. Uh, replies, replies to the Lord, Surely I spoke of things I did not understand. Therefore I despise myself and repent in ashes. So th that's Job's question and now God's answer. And, and so in this equation, there's also then the response, the response of faith, the response of the believer. And in his unsearchable wisdom, God has allowed suffering to come into Job's life. Job's faith allowed him to accept that suffering with grace, but ultimately that sinful nature got the best of him. And he began to openly question God's goodness and, and called God to account for his actions. But God spoke to Job. Job, uh, Job. He led Job to repentance. He confessed his sins. God forgave him. And in the end, God blessed him abundantly. Uh, uh, ten more children made him twice as wealthy as he was before. Now, can, can we learn a lesson from this account of Job's life? Absolutely. We need to remember that there are times when suffering comes into our lives. Uh, sometimes it's because of our own sin or because we live in a sinful world where, sinful, where sin permeates the lives of people and in their minds. But the book of Job also teaches us sometimes God does allow suffering to come into the lives of his children, but it's not because he doesn't love us. And it's not because he's powerless to stop it. God's still all-powerful. But in those times where sin breaks into our world, God promises that even in pain, even in heartache, those things that we suffer in this life, he can use them for his purpose, his good purpose. A Christian writer by the name of Alita Nita Landis shared this observation. She writes, when my daughter Katie was small, she was worried about falling off the changing table, always twisting her head so that the end of the table was right in front of her eyes. She would cry out, I'm fallen, Mama, I'm fallen. Uh, when the reassurances would fail, I'd say, don't look at the edge, look at Mama. And her focus shifted to my face and she would become peaceful. I too know the temptation to look at the edge when unpredictable or difficult times arise. Again and again, God must remind me, look at me, daughter. Don't look at the edge. How sweet it is to lift up my eyes to meet his faithful and loving gaze and know peace in the midst of turmoil. So it is with us. 
God promises that even in the pain and heartache we suffer in this life, it can and will be used by him for a good purpose. Maybe God will use your sufferings to lead you to hold on to him and his word all the more. Maybe he will lead you to appreciate the other gifts, uh, uh, all his other gifts more completely. Maybe, and, and here's the real reason, of lesson of the book, maybe we will never understand why things happen the way that they do. Maybe we will never be able to answer the question, why me? But you know, it's okay. It's okay to say, I don't understand. There's some things we can't understand, uh, and Scripture says, who has known the mind of the Lord? How unsearchable is judgments, his past beyond tracing out. But just because we can't understand, Dear friends, let us confess our faith using the words of the Nicene Creed we confess together. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father and he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and Son together is worshiped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen.
Dear friends, go with God's blessing this day. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with his favor and give you his peace. Amen. Thank you for joining us in this time of worship. From all of us at St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School, we thank you for listening. More worship opportunities are available on our website at stpaulslutheran.net. Just click worship at the top of the page. May God bless you and your family each and every day. And again, thank you for listening.